dia de sol Eu fui pra trabalhar Beautiful souls, I'm Camille. And this is Erica of the Healthcare from the Soul, the Healer's Journey podcast. Where we listen to stories from heart-centered healthcare providers who are rewriting their story as healers of this world. Now more than ever, they feel dissonance within themselves and the system and are answering their soul's calling for something more. Erica and Camille host retreats around the globe for healthcare professionals interested in discovering more about their life's purpose in the healing arts. To learn more, head on over to the show notes. Let's go to the show. All right, Miss Aubrey, thank you so much. We're so excited that you have said yes to the Healthcare from the Soul podcast. And welcome. Thank you. (laughs) So this whole podcast is around the healer's journey, right? You probably heard of the hero's journey, and this is the healer's journey. And in the healer's journey, there's the departure, there's the initiation, and then there's the return. And the audience for this podcast is intended to be people who are in healthcare in the conventional world who wish to do something else, but they're not sure how. And I'm sure you were at that point at one point in your career and you went off, you did the departure, you did the initiation, and then you came back and you worked in the healing arts in a different modality or the same modality in a different way. Hmm. And um, this is where we'll dive in to your story. Can you tell us about your healer's journey? Yeah, that's definitely been my journey. Yeah, for sure. So I'm noticing a part of me popping up that wants to tell you about how the healer's journey for me like started when I was maybe like a kid. And Mm -hmm. that was very intuitive and very empathetic. And despite having challenges in my life and my family I had a lot of support for you know those qualities and so that healer's energy was like always a part of who I was and I would you know walk up to people and know something wasn't okay or have a sense about a certain type of thing that was going on and start talking to them about it and um, you know growing up even when I was like 9 10 I remember having conversations on the phone with my brother's friends would call and they'd end up talking to me for like 30 minutes. <laughs> um, and then same, like, you know, in primary school and in high school, you know, I remember being like a counselor, you know, for my friends and, and for their family members, people who are older than me as well. And it was just like always there. And I always wanted to help people. I always, I had this knack, but I also had you know, a a desire. And that was also fueled by a lot of the unrest and difficulties in my family. I I really saw how we suffer as people, as family systems, as communities. And I thought, you know, if I can help other people feel supported in ways that um, I wish I had had and that my family had had, wouldn't that be such a wonderful thing? 
So I didn't really know what I wanted to do, um, but that was in there. And yeah, so so there's that part of me just wanted to kind of frame that. That then there's more to that. We might we might talk about some other things, but. So anyways, yeah, the, I hop, you know, fast forward ahead, I, I um, dropped out of high school because of the, the stress and, and sort of illness and stuff like that. And we know now from ACE studies that complex stress and trauma contributes to physical health and things like that. Um, and yeah, so I dropped out of high school and I ended up kind of taking a year or so to kind of get some support and care for myself, um, which my sister was a really big help with and um, ended up going to a junior college in the States, Santa Monica College, which they don't have in Australia <laughs> where I am now. But um, yeah, and I started kind of exploring what I want to study. And I, I've always loved arts and expression and been an artist and written poetry and painted and things to help me deal with my own my own stress in life so I was I actually started studying art and art history and things like that when I was in school um, but still having that calling that longing to somehow use this in a, in a helpful way I wasn't sure how and I wrote down I think I was maybe 18 or 19 and I wrote down in like my journal I want to help people to optimize their life and to look at all the different aspects of who they are and the things that they do and in a really holistic way. And I don't want it to just be medicine and I don't want it to just be, you know, psychology. And I was like, what is that? And then I kind of just left it. And I ended up studying art history and sociology in my bachelor's degree and loved that. And then started suddenly getting flyers for the occupational therapy. And it was very synchronistic. So it was like suddenly my friends were dating OTs and then every class I was in, uh, they were recruiting for the OT program. <laughs> I just keep getting these flyers and I was like, okay. So there was this like push in this direction that hadn't been in my awareness. And I interviewed with them and I kind of decided they're trying to encourage me to switch my bachelor's degree to OT and kind of spend a little bit more time in school and then, you know, get my bachelor's. But I decided to finish my, my bachelor's in sociology and art history with a minor in art history. And then um, <clears throat> I took a year off and I volunteered hospitals, clinics, you know, um, community centers, all sorts of different places and saw how OT got to do that. I was like, oh, that's like what I wrote down, <clears throat> I don't know, seven years ago or something, <laughs> you know this helping people in all their different roles and in different settings and looks at, you know, all the different aspects. I was like, that's cool. That's what I wanted to do. So for the first time really in my life, I felt like this healers kind of, you know, position I felt like drawn to made like it, there was a place for me to go with it. Um, and, and it felt secure because I came from a, a family where um, we had some hard times that there was a point where I was even homeless um, I shouldn't say homeless, actually. That's not accurate. I we, we lost a place to live, and I ended up living with other people, and my parents were in sort of facilities that were helping them um, with different people as well, different friends and things like that, and we were all separated. Um, and so there's this, also this drive to not necessarily 
um, do something alternative, but something that I knew would be a little bit more concrete and, you know, stable. And so OT kind of ticked all the boxes for me at that time. So, yeah, so I studied, I got my master's, I went back and got my master's in occupational therapy and um, started working in a clinic, um, in a pediatric clinic. Um, and what was so wonderful about this clinic was they were so open-minded and they, they had so many different programs there. And if you had an idea, they were like, yeah, you know, if you want to put it together, put the energy in, we support you. So um, during that period um, of time, I noticed um, a lot of the intuition and healer kind of aspects that I had, which I had actually shut a lot down during my own trauma and stress and things that had happened in life, um, was kind of coming online again. And I couldn't really ignore it. <laughs> and while I was working in that time, it was more with school systems. Um, I saw where there were gaps where, I don't know, like families just weren't getting the, the holistic support that they needed. And um, yeah, so um, and noticing this part of me that's like, oh, there's all these other things that happen in between too. <laughs> so during that time, I also decided to like intuitively become a yoga teacher. I hadn't done yoga before. <laughs> um, I took a couple classes and um, was like, mm, I don't know about this. And then something in me was like, no, you have to go back. And I, I searched, there's like 500 different schools of yoga or something ridiculous. And I found this one, uh, Anyasara yoga. And I went to a class and I just was like, this is what's missing in my life. This sort of is a more of a spiritual oriented um, teacher and wasn't just about moving the body but how you're being in the world so every class had a lot of kind of pre and you know talking about how we're showing up and weaving that through and then ending in that you know inquiry that self-inquiry like who are you who are you really who are you being who are you showing up as what are you beyond all these identities and names and everything so this was kind of there was a bit of an awakening kind of happening there for me as well. Um, yeah, and um, so I, I became a yoga teacher. <laughs> I, did, I, did, I did yoga training and mindfulness training and meditation and all this kind of stuff. And it was just so healing for me. Um, so for me, my journey has been, there's so much I can talk to. So I wanna kind of just kind of bring a little bit in right now. And then you guys maybe can ask me some questions, but. I was the person that I wanted to help at one point. Um, you know, like I was at one point a child who needed help, a teenager that needed help, and a young woman that needed help. And I had to get help through my personal life and then into my professional life. You know, I, I had this journey of a wounded healer, for sure. So I found that because I was seeking support through whether it was psychotherapy or spiritual teachings, that continual inquiry and 
looking for a deeper understanding of my human experience is what allowed me to show up in my sessions and with my colleagues in a really different way than I was taught. And so, you know, in school, we're taught a lot of things, so many things. <laughs> we have board exams, so much we have to remember, but we're not taught about these really fundamental things that I have seen in my lifetime make miracles, which is your state of being and the openness to having no agenda, the openness to allowing every single person's part, every part of every person, every aspect of every person be allowed to show up without us feeling like we have to fix them without reinforcing any belief that they're broken. And so in my journey, when I stopped viewing myself as someone I needed to fix, when I stopped viewing myself as someone that was broken and I started moving towards experiences that were compassionate, that were curious, that were patient and kind, that allowed exploration of something and allowed for creativity to emerge because there was space to find what's this really about what's really needed here that's when i changed as a person and as a practitioner and i couldn't unsee that i couldn't unsee this interconnectedness of things and this deeper need for humans to be loved to be understood and yeah, that's, that was like the pivot for me. Um, and we can go into a lot of other things that I, you know, a lot of us notice about systems and limitations, but ultimately for me, it was this self-awareness and, and my own journey. And I got feedback, like my colleagues were like, you're different. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> you know, and I started being asked to host little guided meditations at work, at lunch, um, I started running little talks outside of work at my house, um, meditations and, and even prayer groups that were completely non-religious, just praying to life, <laughs> you know, just seeing how we could connect to something bigger and something within ourselves. That's like this part of us that we can access that it's the part that isn't wounded. It's the part that's always there. And for me, it's like a nameless part. So I, I think in a lot of traditions, we call it the self or the consciousness. But for me, it's, it's, a, wordless, it's a wordless space that holds everything. And that connection to that in me woke something up that was like, wow, like this is something I can't really explain in words, but it feels so loving and so right and feels like it's what's missing. And so... If I come to you and I have like this tick box of things that I need to fix, it doesn't feel right anymore. It doesn't feel true. So, um, yeah. And so, so during that time, I um, started studying nonviolent communication with Marshall Rosenberg's teachings and other compassionate practices from um, Eastern philosophies. Um, some of it connected to the yoga practices, some of it to other teachers. So lots of different teachers that I've studied with in that sort of Eastern philosophy realm and really wanting to understand our experience um, more. And 
what happened was I started witnessing these spontaneous shifts in people that I couldn't really describe. <laughs> you know, people wouldn't have believed me if they hadn't seen it, you know, where I would go to someone who was in chronic pain and I just felt intuitively, oh, you know, maybe today we just spend a little bit more time creating rapport and we don't just go straight to the like protocol, you know, <laughs> and I listen really openly and I connect with their needs and we find out what's missing for them. And we do this and then they go, you know what, my pain's gone. What did you do? And I go, I didn't do anything. Like we were just talking. I don't understand. I don't know. And, and then I, I kind of was like, whoa, what's just happened? Like I was kind of confused <laughs> and I'd leave and then I'd check back in. Oh, when do you want to have your next session? I don't need one. I'm okay now. And I was like, what? <laughs> How did that happen? So I'm just, this is me just sharing from my lived experience. Like I cannot, you know, it's just what happened. And I kept seeing more and more of this happen. So <laughs> there's a point where you're like, there's something else here going on with people. And like, you know, there's, we're not just the bot, like this body, it's not just like in the shoulder. So it's just the shoulder and just the tissues. And so what happened for me was I also live, I live with chronic pain. Okay. I've, pain, I've had chronic pain since I was in high school. And I've had a lot of my own mysterious health issues where I saw, I don't know how many different specialists and all they could say is, yeah, there's inflammation there, but like, and sometimes not even that. And, you know, kind of, we don't know, we don't know what's really causing this. No one ever really talked to me about the fact that I had trauma, the fact that I had, you know, all these other kind of influences. And no one ever talked to me about, what I like now, what I understand, you know, ancestral trauma. <laughs> and there's a lot of that in my family system. And so I started like exploring this for myself. You know, I'm seeing these things happen with my clients spontaneously. And so I started exploring this more with myself, with my own pain. And um, that was when I started to have my own healing happen. So when I talked to those parts of myself that were in pain and I, I got like this feedback and suddenly symptoms that were there for a really long time would, would go, they would go, they would resolve. And I had such relief. And then I had other symptoms that, that wouldn't go. And I, and I still have some as well. I still have some, some pain, but, you know, and even up into, up to like last week, I had like a tummy kind of flare up from stress which I know is like, it's stress related. And so I, I went in and I talked to this part of me and got really still and found out what was going on. And I was showing some, some memories that were really um, difficult. And I was kind of connecting to that. And I, and I sat with that and I brought that compassion, that compassionate energy was there. And, you know, the next day that symptom was, was gone again. So the relief, again, like just I'm having these you know, really quite intense discomforts that I will have. And this is my experience. I'm quite sensitive. But so for me, I was like, I can't just see, I can't just like treat things the way I was taught to. I can't do that anymore. That's not been my experience of healing as a, in my own body. 
And there's some people that that's, they're not like me. They're not that sensitive. They're not like this. And there's some people, girl, I wanted to be able to take a pill and make it just go away. (laughs) And they gave me all the pills and they didn't work. I just had side effects from every single thing I took. I was like the (laughs) 0.002% for everything that the doctor gave me. And they were just like, shit, you know, what do we get? Like, we can't, this isn't working. So I had to, I had to look somewhere else because my body was like, no, sorry, you're not getting away with it. (laughs) You're going to have to go deeper. So I also know that's not everyone's journey. I know that's not everyone's journey, but I do know that it definitely doesn't hurt (laughs) to look at how there is an interconnectedness between our health, our well-being, our, our emotions, our spirituality. And, you know, so in terms of my journey as a, as a, the healer's journey, I've been in and out and in and out. It wasn't like I left and I came back. I was like in and out and in and out. And so I've done things where I like gone into private practice and then I came back and then I got into private practice and then I've come back. And then I was like part-time private practice and working for an organization probably for a really long time was the last kind of move. And then more recently back into private practice again, (laughs) full time. And um, yeah. And, but what was interesting is every time I went back in, I found myself, and this is probably has led me to where I am now. I found myself having the people I work with come to me, not just my clients, but the people I work with come to me and being like, um, can I talk to you? Can I share with you? You know, these kinds of things and them saying, why aren't you doing this more? You're really good at this. Why aren't you doing this more? <laughs> you really helped me today with that way you showed up, How, you know, that was amazing. You know, just giving this kind of just listening deeply, giving them time, space, offering questions to help them find the answers within themselves. And I loved seeing that. And I love seeing that, you know, way of people becoming empowered because it came from within. So, yeah. So now I, I primarily support other health and wellness practitioners (laughs) who are wanting to do their own inner healing and heal their own wounds so that they can have more wholeness in themselves and be more available to serve because like with my journey, it's, you know, when I was having a lot going on, I wasn't as relaxed. I wasn't as available, or maybe I was triggered. You know, someone comes in, if you're working with someone who's got a lot going on, it can be overwhelming. If you don't know how to be with that, you can have your own parts come up and that is normal. And that is part of our being human. And that is ignored in most healthcare systems. We're kind of like, you know, be professional. (laughs) and it's like you know the person is the professional and the person who shows up has a family and has maybe a partner maybe kids maybe last night they had a kid that was up late teething or maybe they had their own you know family member who's not well and they show up at work and they have a client and their client maybe has something like that happening and they have an emotional resonance with that. And you're like, no, just, you know, be professional. (laughs) Just, just 
just tuck that away. And when I've noticed that I allow, you know, I can meet more of my parts with compassion, I have so much greater capacity to meet other people and to also know when to have a therapeutic use of self. And I think the biggest therapeutic use of self, this is a term we use in occupational therapy, which is like, you know, using yourself, how, how can you do that? But for me, self is an energy and it's the energy of compassion, calmness, patience, curiosity, totally curiosity and like um, attunement. And that self energy we have access to, you know, we have access to that. So, you know, for me, if um, my parts, if, if who I am and everything I've been through knows that in that self, they're all accepted, they all can get the support, I can be more able to help my, my whole being. It means I can also then be more available to serve my clients. And so for me, I realized there's this huge, the huge gap. The gap for me that I'm actually wanting to support now is this lack of psycho-spiritual support for health practitioners. It's missing. It's not in our training. It's not, or it's touched on, or it's, oh, it may be good for you to see a therapist, but there isn't like this real holding of like having regular ongoing support for yourself. So my colleagues who do that do it because they've been called to, but there's a lot of people who aren't, it's not in their field. It's not in their awareness to do that. They just, you know, they look at self-care. They look at like, yeah, I'm doing my yoga and they tick off block. They do more of the ticking off. They're still trying to fix. And I think that's why sometimes in places I've worked that people did come to me because they had got to experience that sort of more psycho-spiritual support. And often as a result would end up going and seeing someone else <laughs> and having a shift and, 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 and being more available. Um, so yeah, so <laughs> I'm kind of going in circles because I've had a really long and crazy journey and I've changed my focus and I've done, I've done training in a lot of different things over the years. Like the list is insane, <laughs> but ultimately where I'm at now is it's all about, for me, it's about compassion. And, and with that, the curiosity and like the patience that is required to meet someone in their healing journey and not sit in front of them, like, you know, you're telling them what to do, but to sit beside them, to walk with them on their journey and to hold a space that allows them to feel welcome and safe enough to heal those things in the way of them finding their gifts. And there might be times where you need to hold more space. And there might be times, hopefully, where I can help you to hold space for yourself. And so there's, there's that power in that. And that's been part of my journey too, is like this need for safety in the world and for things to be a certain way. And ultimately when I can, when I can, know I can manage who I am with acceptance when I meet myself and, you know, with 
perceived the perceived limitations I have and I can accept where I'm at. I have freedom. I have freedom because I'm not shooting myself all the time. So whether you're doing rehabilitation or therapy or having a medical you know, issue, if you're just living in a place of shooting and being against your experience, everything that you are trying to fix, it is exhausting. It's so exhausting. But if you can bring in acceptance, if you can bring in curiosity and you can have someone to help you in holding space with that, your journey of healing becomes maybe um, something much more full of light, full of warmth. And it's also empowering because there's such a, it's such a wonderful feeling when for me, I'm having a hard time, a, a physical challenge come up, you know, a health issue. And I know that I can actually meet it. And I can take care of it. And I don't have to try to cut it off or get rid of it or make it go away. But I can meet that part of myself that's suffering. And I feel held in myself. There's such relief in that. There's such empowerment in that. Because I don't have to, you know, I don't have to run away from reality. Yeah. So I have no idea what I just said. <laughs> kind of just following a flow. And like, so this is where we'll land right now. <laughs> Aubrey, your words were pure honey. So, so smooth and delicious. And I love hearing about this, this journey from this wounded healer to this compassionate yeah. healer. It was, yeah. so much was there. And, um, and I resonate with this idea of healthcare workers or professionals, you know, um, showing up with all their parts. And, and when we are in that vulnerability of the, what happened with our children the day before, maybe what happened on our way to work that morning. And instead of creating a wall, really feel into that vulnerability, mm -hmm. then the veil is so thin then between the patient or client and then the provider. And then that connection can really be formed. Mm. Um, and so it's that authenticity, the humanizing the healthcare worker. Yes. Yeah. We sit in our humanness with them. We're not othering ourselves or them, you know? Yeah. And you know, I love how there's so much beautiful research now from like, you know, Dr. Kristen Neff and um, Chris Germer and other people around the power of compassion and how we have a lot of evidence to show that it's a buffer for overwhelm. And it's, it really helps us to get through what is because we might have parts that wish things weren't what they are. <laughs> but when we can kind of go, yeah, it's not about getting rid of life's challenges. It's about meeting them from a different place. Then they become, again, it becomes, you, you feel empowered. It's like that sense of, I did this thing and I, and I was able to, 
I was able to do it and I did it in a way that felt right and it felt good. And, and so that becomes empowering. Life can become empowering even when it's uncomfortable. I've had a lot of discomfort in my life. So <laughs> I really get like how amazing that can be when you can shift and you can have that acceptance and find different ways of meeting it. And it just softens. It just softens everything. You don't have to have all this pressure and all the shitting. And, you know, another thing that I just want to name. So this, I'll, I'll do this in pieces. Next, next year, I'm going to be running a program for health practitioners to take them on their own healing journey. And I've been spending the last year and a half putting this together and, and doing research and sending out like surveys to colleagues and people who follow me. And you know, the one thing that's come back the most, and I just, I always get really sad. Like I, I get emotional when I say this, is that almost every single one of them said they put themselves last. And there is this thing in healthcare where we have these beautiful people who are healers, who are empathic, who care. And so they are in service. And as a result, a lot of the time, they put themselves back behind in line. But there's a lot of the time, there's this lastness where it's like after everything else. And... I think that some of the systems take advantage of that. But because we are part of it and systems are multifaceted and interconnected, and when we resource a system, whether it's a family system or a community system, an organizational system, when we can look at the hidden dynamics behind why we're showing up the way we are, we can understand these entanglements and these stressors and these patterns that we keep repeating and why, and we can actually look at shifting things towards a more orderly healed picture. And so I worked with this beautiful, beautiful um, speech therapist this year who, oh my gosh, just in looking at this and, and finding out within her own internal system, what parts needed care and how they could find, you know, their voice. And she's just such a different person now. And she's still working in the system she's in, but they're not her to like do these amazing things and share these gifts that she's found in herself with the team, you know? <laughs> and so that's now having, a she's having an effect because she did her own exploration to move out of that and she's still exploring it and that's the thing is this is about not needing things to be final but needing allowing things to be continually evolving we're never there I'm never like fixed or finished or you know it's this how do I have a healthy balance and evolution of self because if we look we're part of nature we're part of this world. Everything around us goes through cycles and evolutions. And nothing is always in a creative phase of just, you know, <laughs> this like intense doing energy. You know, I watch my plants on my, in my garden and I see them open and bloom. And the petals start to change and fall to the ground. And then I'll see a little bug there. And then we'll see another bug come and eat that bug. <laughs> and I might see something dead 
on the floor next to it. And it's like, these are, these are the cycles that we're so disconnected from creation and evolution, but also the deconstruction and, and the hiddenness of things that need to be unveiled that we haven't seen yet that still are yet to be revealed. And even like, if we look at our plants, like I had two plants I bought from this market that I loved and the same plants, one of them died. They're in the same soil. What, what was happening in, inside of that, that that environment, it didn't work for that particular seed. There was something missing there, something I couldn't see. We're the same. There's stuff we can't see in our systems and there's ways that we're connected and there's cycles we go through. And, and like, can we look at that a little differently? instead of just always having to like do and be busy and create, create, create. And like, so I'm seeing this beautiful thing happen with some of my clients and with myself, with my own journey and people I look up to that are my mentors where when we create the space to honor this within us and to honor ourselves and to meet things with more compassion, more curiosity, there's amazing new things can blossom. And this understanding and a widening of perspective can happen where you're like, wow, I didn't, I didn't get that before. I didn't see that before and how much, how enriching that is. And then also how empowering it is because as I see these things in myself and also see my own wounded parts in different ways, if someone shows up in my session with a part of them that society has exiled, for example, someone who's an addict. They don't have to feel exiled in my session. And that part of them doesn't have to feel exiled with them if we can guide and connect enough to figure out what's needed there. And so if I can, you know, tend to my garden and look at externally how I want to make my house beautiful, what's needed here, what's happening with with my plants. Oh, it's going to be, the weather is going to be cold. So I need to move them. But like, how can I do that tending with myself and with all the parts within me so that there's a greater understanding of the needs in my inner system and in my inner world and the external systems that I'm connected to, you know, and how we all are affecting each other in that space. Here's that pause that we talked about. <laughs> yeah. Oh. I, I'm in awe of your journey. And it feels very familiar, too. Hmm. And I'm wondering, rewinding to the very beginning, hmm. if... I believe that everybody who goes into the heal, the helping professions, the healing mm -hmm. arts has those gifts of empathy, of being sensitive, mm -hmm. of being able to intuit um, what's going on behind the words. And you said that you repressed them for a very long time and then that they merged later on. I'm wondering if the professionals that you've worked with or the people that you've worked with, um, 
have noticed that emergence as well. Yes. And it, yeah, that was part of the a huge leap in healing. Yeah, yeah, for oh, sure. So I'd say that, yeah, definitely <laughs> one of my one of my um one of the clients I see actually just yesterday I saw her and called me and booked in because she's like she's getting so much intuition now and so much feedback now and she's like it's it's a lot <laughs> it's really it's really switched on actually so we needed to kind of look at how to support her with the amplified empathy that's present in her body somatically and um the part of her that's showing up and is a little worried about how that might be affecting you know things or how people might be perceiving perceiving that the other part and oh, it's just so beautiful and for sure so i definitely i see like it in a couple of ways. So I, I see people often will come to me when something, something starts to kind of switch on, you know, and it's like, there's something here, there's something missing. I can feel it. I can't name it. I, I want to get closer to it. Can you help me with that? And, and then as we, as we work, as we explore, and as they, I should say, as they explore, as they connect and they, start to look at their routines their their rituals in their daily life how we have so many rituals you know the way we get up the way we make our coffee you know can there be like these other rituals that become very natural very habitual even about how we connect to this part of ourselves? you know their intuition um I really start to see so much shifting in them and not just it's again, it's not about the professional it's in their life as a person, they see it and they come back and they go, things are different with my husband. Now my kids now, you know, my, my, my work now, um, it, it, it affects every aspect and there's a confidence in being able to listen to what feels right for them and where they're at in their journey. And this is huge because we do a lot of comparing in, in our Western society. You know, we, there's a lot of like, and especially with social media, you know, <laughs> if people, if people knew, you know, what was really happening behind those pictures, they could put a little like camera into the session, into my session with my therapist and me crying, you know, it's like, <laughs> I had this joke actually the other day I was telling my partner, because I have this thing with my Instagram, it says life with Aubrey. I was like, I'm just going to start recording all the messiness. <laughs> you know, I'm just going to start being like, okay, that angry part that got really out of control today, you want to see what that looks like? <laughs> and, and because we actually, a lot of us, our society has taught us like, that's not okay. Yeah. So we exile them and, and then we compare and we go, oh, you know, I, I need to look like this person. And that's what my path needs to look like. But you know what would be so amazing? And this is what I'd love to see happen. This is what I'm like, I'm cheerleading for is what if you could let go of all the shoulds from everyone else and you could make peace with the part of yourself that's kind of a little bit too critical. We could understand what, you know, what his job is a little better. And we could actually harness your unique gifts. And you got to just really focus on those in your life, not trying to be anyone else, because you're the only person that gets to live your life. 
you really got to live the life that you felt you were meant to live without the fear of letting people down, of not being good enough, of feeling like an imposter, of putting yourself last, all these things. You could really connect to that. If everyone could follow that and do the things that they felt they were meant to do instead of trying to compare themselves to everyone else and slash or tell everyone else what to do with their lives, <laughs> right? Sometimes my manager inside wants to be like, no, you, you need to do that differently, <laughs> right? But that's just a part of me that has a need for something. And it's actually, it's not my business. <laughs> so imagine if we took all the energy that we used to put ourselves down, to compare, to, to criticize, to, and to do that to others. And actually it was used to like understand how to access our unique gifts and support those gifts to be shared in the world. And all the people who like their gifts are in this neighborhood got together and all the people whose gifts are in this other neighborhood got together and same over here and over here, how much like amazing things would happen. People feeling resonance and understood and connected and, you know, um, empowered to share who they are, their full human self, and they're allowed to be flawed. They don't have to be perfect, you know, but they can access these. I just think that would be so cool. <laughs> like, I really feel like I spent a lot of my time in my journey trying to be a certain way or be a certain type of therapist or so I, this has been part of my own, you know, transformation too. Until there is this finally this breath of like, oh, this is what I'm good at. This is what I want to do. You know, what if I just gave myself permission to do that? And, and, and I say this like it's, oh, it sounds so wonderful. It's not easy. Like, but again, this is why, this is what's missing. We need the right support to help meet the parts of us that come up and say, don't do that. That's stupid. You're not good enough. Um, you just have to keep going because being a hard worker is what's important <laughs> or that say you are not important. Everyone else is, but you're not, you know, how do we meet those parts? So I think, again, I'm kind of coming back to what I said before, like it's, yeah. And so I think, and you asked me about intuition. I think I went in a bit of a tangent, but, um, but so again, when we, when we do that, when we can connect, when we can get curious we can, yeah, we can connect with the intuitive part of ourselves. We can let that guide us. And it does have a place. It does have a place. I just, most of the, the most important and life-changing decisions I've made in my life have been intuitively. They've been, it's been an impulse to move in a certain direction. You feel that you feel pulled. If anyone has kids, you know, and you, you, you know, something happens, you know, sometimes you get like a little something, something's going on <laughs> and you don't even know what it is. And then suddenly you get a call, right? Um, oh, you know, so-and-so they, you know, bumped their knee, fell off the bike at school. Can you come pick up whatever? We have this, this feeling that it, it's, it's a part of who we are and it's just as important as the rational part. Yeah. And they just have to learn to get along a little better, really. <laughs> Yeah. So I think intuition is really important. Um, but with anything, it's balance, you know, it's balance. It's, it's also like when you, when I became aware of how much 
my reality is impacted by the parts that are showing up that day. <laughs> and as a result, the lens I see through, how I see you and how I see myself, and so then what I believe is true, I really, really got that. I realized how much there is not really ever a moment where there is like this pure, you know, awareness that is just right, that's correct, that's always true. It, it, it's, it's, it's always a near miss to the truth. And so because of that, I have this real curiosity. I'm always like, wow, what else can I see? You know, what, what else could I learn? What else could I notice about how I'm showing up, about how I'm connecting with something, <laughs> you know? So I realized that as I get to know these different parts of myself, I actually can ask, which part is making this decision right now? You know, and is it making it a decision from a place that's been unburdened and is connected to the gifts inside, or is it making a decision from a wounded place? I mean, imagine asking those questions before you made any decision, before you interacted with anyone. Imagine if the world woke up tomorrow and was like, before I open my mouth, which part of me is connecting right now? And is it a wounded part or is it a protected part that needs a bit of attention first? Or can I be honest about that? Can I even just be honest about that? Like I just, to me, this has been my own journey. I just love, you know, exploring this, this realm, but I just really saw that. So um, intuition sometimes can feel like you might think it's your intuition, but it might be just a really strong part that's activated, <laughs> you know, that's like, how do you know the difference between the two? How do you know the difference? There's no agenda. Yeah. I think one of my teachers said this recently and it feels true to me. It's like the deeper self doesn't have an agenda. I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to like alter reality. I might feel a certain way. I might feel compassion or sadness towards what's happening. And it doesn't mean that these parts can't make choices <laughs> of us, you know, they're, they're, they all belong. They all have a place. Everything has a place, but, and, and I'll actually say, like, I'll rewind to that and say, maybe, maybe our intuition doesn't have an agenda, but you know, actually I don't know. I know for me, it's, it's an embodied sense and it's, it, it's a feeling that even if there's uncertainty or a bit of uneasiness, there's courage that comes with it. That's my experience is it feels courageous. It feels like I can rise up to the thing. I can move towards the thing that, you know, the intuition is, is calling, calling to, um, intuition, I think, yeah. And for me, it's, it's, it's complex. And this, I, I, I hear my, like, my inner woo-woo side being like, be careful what you say, <laughs> but I have, so this is like, this is brave. I'm going to be brave right now <laughs> and say, I grew up. There's a lot of people that don't believe in this stuff. And I have a lot of friends, I have so many different friends. I think because I'm so open to things, I have so many friends, so many different perspectives. And I love it because it helps me see so many different sides of the world. And like, because of that, I can really understand how 
things are different for everyone and the what's right for one person isn't right for the other. And we really have to respect that. So many different people, so many different clients I see, so many different ways of receiving healing and needing things in their life. But, and intuition, when I was younger, um, I could hear, I would like auditory would kind of hear things, get messages, um, feel and sense things in my body, see things. So, you know, working, <laughs> working with, uh, healers over the years, I, you know, learned language, how to name that. Cause we like to label things. Okay. So you're clairsentient and you're clairvoyant and you're clair this and you're clair that. And that was part of the shutting down when I was younger, cause it was too much. Um, but for me, intuition is like, it, it works with these other parts. And I think there's uh, it's a team. So it's like, who's on your intuitive team? <laughs> And, and it's not just your intuition. Cause like, we also sometimes like might have an impulse, but there might be something really rational that needs to be a part of that too. And so I think it's like, you know, using both working with, working with the team. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, I'm hearing another part going, you just said that out loud about all the woo woo stuff, Aubrey. <laughs> um, and yeah. Be normal to me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, and it's, it was a funny little antidote, you know, when I was first started doing like private practice, kind of more healing stuff. And I was allowing permission for these sites to kind of come back online. I was with this client and I just kept hearing apple, like <laughs> just apple, the word apple. And um, I was like, what is this? Like, why is this popping into my head? What's going on? So I kind of just got still and I was like, okay, should I say something to this client about the word apple? <laughs> just feels so stupid, right? Like, what is this? And I, he's like, yeah, you can say apple. Like, like the inner voice is like, say apple. To so I said to the client, does do apples have any significance to you? Because it just, you know, it's popping into my head. It's, it might seem weird. Like just, you know, never mind. Don't worry about it. You know? And he goes, no, oh my God, I have this story. And it's about this apple tree. <laughs> and it was this like whole long, I don't know, 30 minute, 40 minute story connected to a protective pattern that's affecting his relationships, which is why I was in therapy. <laughs> and that was like, that moment for me, was like a healing. And I was like, okay, I'm going to listen to those things now a little more. Um, and so for me, like I try to encourage people to listen and, and to learn. And so I will sometimes and have over the years ignored. And then as a result, something happens and you go, oh, you ever get that where you're like, oh, I should have listened to that. I knew that was going to happen. Or I knew I should have asked this and you ignore it. So I gave myself permission. I think it might've even been sometime in, in the recent couple of years to just say yes to every impulse and see what would happen if I listened every time. And as I did that, it just kept growing and growing, you know, and um, you can definitely develop it. It's definitely cool. And another thing that has helped me develop intuition is, so one of the modalities that I use, if you, ladies aren't familiar with it's called family and systemic constellation therapy and it's it's really it's really developed by a german psychotherapist 
I don't know if that's the right way to phrase it. I should say it was like brought to the West by him because he did research with indigenous tribes and looked at how they healed within their community and how they addressed ancestral and intergenerational, transgenerational trauma and things like that. And um, yeah, it's really amazing work. But in it, you have, there's this real understanding that everything's like interconnected and there's like information, there's resonance there in the field, you know, metaphysically, there's like this field and you see it, they call it the morphic field. You see it with birds where they all just, they don't talk, but they just move. It's like, whoa. So when you do this work, you notice how often it's running groups and you'll have people representing different things. And, and when something is acknowledged or when there's a resource brought in, things will just start to move. There's an impulse. Things just move naturally and you don't have to even say anything. And I find that there's this from doing that work for so long now, it has really increased my intuition and my clients who participated in the constellations, they have actually improved their their, their, their knowingness, their connection to the field. And so maybe that's the other side. I'm just realizing this now that I never really talk about, but maybe that's the other side of intuition. It's actually recognizing, well, what are you intuiting, right? There's a field. <laughs> I'm having like a light bulb moment. Oh yeah, there's a field. And I'm like, I'm listening to it. <laughs> I'm not just listening to myself. I'm actually listening to this, the life force around me you know, and sensing, oh, that something might be there. And is there a movement towards it? Or is there a movement away from it? Or is there something missing that's needed here to create, to make things a bit stronger, or have a bit more foundation or something like that? Yeah. Hmm. This is interesting. So is this like, so the idea of consciousness, let's get really, really now. Um, the idea, to me, idea of consciousness is like we are all this, just like this amorphic field. And I envision that the birds, humans, plants, they're like these uh, punch out stamps. Yeah. Everybody gets punched out from this consciousness, right? And then we're, yeah. this is how we create our world. And when we develop, or re- when we remember our intuition or our inner voice. Yeah. Yeah. Are you saying that we're like pulling from that morphic field of endless possibilities and like multi um, possibilities that it could be from somebody like, I just, yeah. Like, it. are we getting, imp- <laughs> are we getting information from that field of consciousness? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, maybe, maybe, right? I think it's all for me. Everything's like a maybe. I think it's all, what is your lived experience? So I, well, my lived experience for a long time was one thing and then I had a a shift and then it became something else. So at this point, (laughs) you know, I've had some, can we talk a little bit about spirituality? A hundred percent. Yes, please. (laughs) So I've had this, I had this crazy experience. Okay. So So studying yoga, loving, you know, feeling really drawn to Eastern traditions, um, having this innate sort of spiritual connection since I was really young. Like I started writing poetry when I was like eight years old. And when I couldn't spell words, my mom used to record 
um, my stuff and then she'd write it down for me. And I would go back and read things and be like, what? Stuff about like the wisdom of God and the universe and things. Just like, where did that come from? Like I was eight. I wasn't being taught this. I wasn't in, you know, like church or actually I have, I'm going on a totally weird tangent, but yeah, spirituality, but I, I have a mixed ancestry background. So I've got, um, as far as I'm aware, I haven't had a DNA test, but based on my, you know, what my family's told me and where they're from, I've got like uh, Brazilian, South American, you know, European, Native American, um, also there's so many things in there. <laughs> and I really, I always really loved the sort of more Native American uh, stuff. I went to powwows growing up. I went to church and I went to temple. <laughs> I went to all the things. So because of that, I had this really crazy journey of exploring, like, what does that, what does it mean to connect? What is, what is God? Who am I? All the crazy, who, you know, what is this really about questions? Anyways, um, I ended up becoming a yoga teacher and a therapist. <laughs> and I, um, I had this experience. I started having these experiences where this identity just, to, just would disappear. There was no attached. There was no Aubrey. And I would have it sometimes with clients where I would be with a client. I had this really one particular image. I was with a, working with the child and suddenly I was that I was the child. I was that. And I, I, all this thing I've studied, you hear in spirituality a lot. I am that. And I just, I kind of, okay, what does that mean? It's, it is that I, that's what I've experienced. I am that I am that, which is right here in front of the me that I've been named, but there is, there was no me, there was no identity. And I had the sprinklings of this. And then I had a really intense experience about four years ago and it just completely dissolved. There was like no identity. There was just spaciousness and this empty, warm kind of felt sense of presence that moved the body <laughs> towards what felt right next. There was just a pause before every action that was made. And I would don't know how I worked and I, I would come home and I would just, there was just this emptiness. And my partner at the time was just like, cool, man. Like, <laughs> you know, you didn't know, I didn't have much to say, which was, I had, you know, as now kind of, I'll say more, I don't know if I'm more integrated or if I, you know, whatever I've, it's changed. It's not, it's not sustained, but I, it was that way for about three or four months. And then it would come and go, come and go. And then in that too, there was also this part that was horrific where there was, the absolute dissolving of, of everything that was any identity. And it was actually really a part of me was very scared while that was happening. Like it felt like everything was dying. And we talk about this in spirituality, like this, this inner death, you know, the life death life cycle of the identity and who you are and, and your, and your inner being. And so, <laughs> so there, yeah, there's this, like, I had this experience where, I can't say like that there was a felt sense of a field. It was just all the one thing, but also there was no thing. If I'm going to use words that we have to describe something, <laughs> but I can't even really describe it. So then, yeah, coming back and over a year or two, starting to have more and more of an identity 
and more of an Aubrey and having like a remembrance of that experience, uh, kind of sitting with one of my teachers, Adi Ashanti, I, he has a question and he's like, how do you honor those awakening experiences? Like when they're not sustained, um, that really helped me. So I'm always curious about, yeah, this, it's like, yeah, I don't know, but I heard someone else call it, is it like meat suits? <laughs> you know, like we have these meat suits that we're in. I don't know that I feel like I'm a meat suit, but I do feel like there is this thing, <laughs> but it's also nothing. So I can't, it's so weird. I can't find words, but yeah, there's something else. And when we're in this self, that is like an identified self that is, you know, here, that's an expression of this bigger thing. Um, we can acknowledge that there is a connectedness to something. So like, you know, in the morning I say, and most mornings I say, you know, I acknowledge for me a greater truth that we're one, that we are interconnected to all things seen and unseen. And I acknowledge the miracles and the blessings and the magic that's possible from that knowingness. And that's my morning kind of like little intentional prayer that I start with. And then I kind of do a bit of a riff <laughs> with whatever I need to, to not to name, but yeah, so it's, it's, it's been crazy. So my, yeah, I've had a very different experience than a lot of people in terms of, you know, what is consciousness? What is this thing? I, it's very hard to name and describe, but if we try with words, that's what I come up with. <laughs> it's like, um, I always call, I do work with inner voice and yeah. I always call it our soul running around in human clothes. Yes. Yeah. Um, this idea is what Ram Das. Yes. His documentary, it's becoming nobody. Yes. Yeah. Benza also talks about it. Yeah. Becoming nobody, becoming nothing. Yes. Nothing. Yeah. Being yeah. There. Yeah. yeah. But you know, it, the funny thing is, is, I, I think maybe that the part of us that wants to get rid of everything is, is it's funny. It's like, that's, it's kind of in contradiction because it's, it's like seeking, it's reaching for something that's already there <laughs> somehow. But so for me, yeah, it's go ahead. That came here to experience, right? Like yeah, the five yeah, yeah. sensory being. Yeah, yeah, we've got all these senses and stuff, you know, it's, yeah, it's, <laughs> you know, and I, but what's interesting for me is I, for so many years, I was such an intense seeker. And I think I was seeking in multiple ways. I was seeking a deeper truth. I was seeking this, like, knowingness. I was also seeking freedom from my suffering, physically, emotionally, spiritually, lots of ways. After I had this experience, uh, that stopped. There's, it, there's like not seeking, there's like deepening now. I it can't, yeah, it's different. It's so different. And, but with that became this total, it's been really challenging actually, <laughs> dissolution of so many identities. Cause like, I don't teach yoga and I don't practice yoga at all anymore. And that was my life up until that moment. 
and after that maybe there's a part of me I need to do more supporting with <laughs> but but yeah I had so many of those identity shift and the identities um as a therapist my identity as a partner they all were like questionable for so long you know what am I what am I really doing here where is this really coming from why am I really serving how am I serving um does it make sense? Is there something else, you know? And I, I spent a really long time in that space until something spontaneously emerged and had more clarity about what we're talking about today, which is this more, it's like grounded awareness and embodied compassion. I like the sound of that. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, a part of me is like, I've been talking a lot and I know that I'm being interviewed. But I really am so curious to know more about you guys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> My curious parts want to know more about all of your journey. And then I'm like, well, they probably will have a podcast where they tell you about their journey as part of the series. <laughs> You're right. That is You're right. right. <laughs> and so you have to be patient and you can listen then. <laughs> so, yeah. Aubrey, you know, I'm really curious about when you... Um, when your intuition awakened yeah and you started meeting all these parts of you and you showed up in your work as more mm. of the compassion. more of that more <laughs> yeah. of that yeah i yeah. i tried to read i am that by majora yeah. <laughs> i think that's uh, only made it like 10 pages pages in, and i'm like i don't think i'm ready for this <laughs> yeah yeah. Yeah, totally. <laughs> that whole idea. Um, so, yeah. So what I'm um, really curious about is the resistance. Did you, were you, um, can, was there any resistance from any of your colleagues from the profession uh, with this new way that you wanted to show up as an OT healer in your space? You know, no, I've been really lucky. Like I've only ever had people say thank you for doing this. I'm getting like very touched just reflecting that because the odd part is I, I've had a part for so many years that's been afraid. And I think a lot of us are of being judged for whatever reason for, the, for our difference. And it's just about, you know, being different. But for the most part, you know, I'm not doing something crazy, like maybe in my personal life and in my journey, I have these other aspects around spirituality and um, creativity and different ways that I express. But when I show up with work, it's who doesn't feel drawn towards love? Who doesn't feel drawn to sit in a space where they don't feel judged? who doesn't feel like a part of them anyways, wants to experience that. And so I think that, you know, if that underlying energy is this, I'm going to really meet you where you're at. And I'm going to be really honest with you too, about like where I can support and where I can't support. And that's the other thing with this is like, it's acknowledging my own humanity. So I have clients that 
have been referred to me. They've been recommended. And I, I have a thing where I usually do a discovery call and or maybe an initial session to see if they are ready for my approach to see if I'm going to meet their needs. And I will also be honest. And do you know what's really funny is because, I, <laughs> because I'm honest, sometimes people stay anyways. They're like, let's just give another couple sessions. And I think there's just this something about feeling like, wow, you're being honest and you're meeting me here. And it's so it feels welcoming. It feels safe. And, you know, because sometimes someone might need something a bit more physical or something like that, even though I do help people on a sort of psycho spiritual level, sometimes with pain, but they might need something else. And I'm totally like, everything serves a purpose. Everything has a place and belongs. And so there's this, like, you know, you might, there might be something else that needs to care in a different way. But for the most part with my colleagues, um, I don't, I don't find for me, what it's been is it's been when I offer things, when I've done mindfulness workshops or like during COVID, um, when I was working for an organization a while ago at the very beginning, um, I was running like a weekly mindfulness meditation, self-empathy kind of check-in thing to help the staff. We had a lot of staff. I only, you know, there may be 10 people called in. And those are the people who needed to be there. I never had people go, why are you doing this? This is not helpful. They just don't show up. They just don't come. So the people who already come and the people who aren't don't, but I'm not offering anything that's like out there. Everything I offer is evidence-based now. We've got so much either, I know evidence-based or evidence-informed practice. You know, so just because it doesn't come out of my field doesn't mean it's not evidence around it. There's so much neuroscience now around compassion and mindfulness and all these kinds of things. So, yeah, it's um, and in early days and very early days, I did a conference on and this is again, you know, I've said I've been in and out of changing what I do and how I show up. So at one point when yoga was my life, I did a whole conference on taking yoga off the mat and incorporating ancient wisdom into modern therapy. And I had teamed up with another colleague and we presented at an annual conference. And I think we had a hundred people maybe at the first, first event. That was all that we could fit in the room. It was, it was booked out and we got our feedback forms. We got 10 out of 10 from almost every single person who came. We were asked to come back and do it again a second year. Um, same thing. And then I kind of, then my journey changed, you know, my connection with yoga and different back. I changed. So what I, offered changed. But um, I know like one of my, quite a few of my colleagues that were part of that, they still, they still offer those practices, those yoga practices. So I think when you're offering something from a genuine place and you're wanting to care, and again, there's no agenda, you're just like, I just want to share something that feels really helpful for me. And and I've been lucky along the way. I, again, I just kind of realizing this now, like we had, and I still have, there's ton, I have tons of articles, tons of that sort of, you know, in our references from other research that's been done. But for me, it's about the lived experience. It's about, you know, really knowing how things help you. Um, yeah. And I've been, I've been very blessed. I've been really lucky that it's either been that people come or they just don't come. <laughs> <laughs> you know yeah 
Yeah, I think also when you show up with all your parts and authentically, um, just that standing in your self, um, I find that it makes you almost invincible. <laughs> mm. And just, yeah. Um, yeah, because I don't know why, but yeah. yeah. Um, now I have a part that's like, oh shit, is someone going to come and challenge me now? Cause I'm on a podcast <laughs> <laughs> and you know, I haven't been very, very visible. You know, I'm not, I don't have a huge, you know, uh, social media following. I don't do a lot of, uh, put a lot of time and stuff like that in, into being seen. So it's really, this is like my first podcast and I'm actually doing an event next weekend um with another colleague who's invited me to do a live kind of thing about this stuff and how I infuse so now I I I'm <clears throat> doing what I'm calling or offering what I'm calling systemic arts facilitation which is you know I was saying I love art <laughs> help me heal um so about five years ago when my father passed away um and I had a lot of other things happen within the same month that were very traumatic. Um, that was part of when that awakening experience happened for me too. So there was an actual physical letting go of a lot of things along with the internal letting go that was already happening. But <clears throat> when I couldn't practice yoga, because every time I tried <laughs> something in my body would just like freak out and I, I was so weird and I'm like, okay, so I talked to my yoga teachers and a couple of my spiritual teachers. They were like, just let it go. Just like you're doing, you know, just let it go. Don't grasp, let it go. Start from scratch. I started painting again. And I did a series of paintings over like maybe six months. And every few weeks I'd get impulse to draw again. And, you know, so the first drawing was like this very almost, almost you can't see it. Like, unless you know what the picture is, but it's like a woman curled up with her legs you know, tucked in really tight, like in a ball in a fetal position. And like the paint is just dripping off her body. Like she's melting and painting that felt so healing to like externalize and witness and kind of, I don't know, process this part of me. And then later it was like, and this weird drawing that came through and it, it's all just coming through. Like I'm not thinking about it ahead of time. And it was like these seeds, and then like kind of sprouts coming up and there was a woman that was like falling. She'd been like, like as if she was being pushed up by the earth slowly. And I wrote a poem with that to help me process that. And it was like about all this stuff kind of slowly helping me to like come back up into life again. And then after that, there was like this playfulness that started coming out and I started drawing pictures of like, I love this one I drew. It's like a girl jumping out of a puddle and there's just like rainbow water, <laughs> you know, kind of thing. And then that emerged into like something that looked and felt more like maybe a teenager that was like dancing. And then eventually, eventually like the final image I painted is this woman. I'll send it to you guys because I love it. And it's this naked woman. She's faceless. So it's just like, it could be anyone. And she's just naked and she's just like, throwing her arms back, her heart's open, her hair is going straight back. And it's like 
fluoro multicolored like power, you know? And I was like, whoa, like, when's that going to happen? <laughs> but so I studied, so, so I did that. And then this opportunity came with my supervisor, my clinical supervisor, who I have like, you know, private sessions with to study some more arts-based things. So he, he was trained in um, sensory motor art psychotherapy and Clayfield and family constellations and other stuff. So I ended up doing training in a lot of this arts-based modality as well as family constellations. And um, because I've been an artist and that's been my own process anyways, it just felt so good. And I felt like this was the new transition of like what feels true for me now. You know, I had to let go of the the yoga and the other stuff. It didn't, it wasn't, I, I evolved. So we, again, so the cycles, right? Something needs to die sometimes or let go of in order for something to be reborn. And, and so this is what has emerged for me. And I've also been studying internal family systems therapy, which is just amazing. And so I have this really beautiful systemic lens of this interconnectedness of things that are based in actual therapy modalities, which I really love. And even the arts-based therapies also acknowledge this sort of systemic, systemic work. Um, and so now I'm, I'm getting ready to, that's, that's where I'm sitting now as a, as a therapist is offering people this, it, there is an embodiment experience. It's, it's through expression and the systemic lens to, to heal. And so I'll come back to your very first thing, which is like this, you know, the journey of the, the healer's journey for me, my healer's journey has been that when I, when I kind of embody something, then I can share it, you know? So when it's like in me and I can speak it, speak about it myself in a way that makes sense to me. And I, I can share my flavor of it, you know, then I, then I can share it with other people. And so that's the other thing with, with us as healers, because we're not just healers, we're evolving humans. Our journey takes us through different things. And so how do we support ourselves through that evolution? And how do we support the sharing of those gifts as those evolve and grow? I'm just thinking that question now, because um, what I had to share 10 years ago, is not the same as what I have to share now. There's themes that have sustained, but I'm, I'm different. What I have to share is different. And um, yeah, I know I started telling the story for a reason, but now I don't remember what it was. So we'll just bring it back to that. <laughs> What's your guidance for somebody who is in the still very much in the system mm. um, to explore their curiosities, hmm. explore what their gifts are, hmm. um, but don't necessarily know how to even start. Yeah. So first I want to just frame this and say, it doesn't matter if you're in a system or not, if you've decided to go into private practice, if you've decided to completely change, you know, everything you're doing. Um, this question is, a, it's a personal journey question and you can explore it wherever you're at. So first permission to explore wherever you're at. So, so I would say if there's a part of you that 
is not giving you permission to explore, to maybe get curious, you know, ask it what it's protecting you from and see if you can find a way to soften a little bit and invite a bit more curiosity, invite permission for that to happen. So that might be a place to start if that feels right. Um, you know, I think the other thing to do is a simple, a simple intention. Intention is so powerful, right? Like intention can just make such a huge difference in your life. I spent a lot of my healing has been from just picking an intention like this month. I'm just going to focus on, you know, being kind and I, every morning remembering I'm going to be as kind as I can today. And when you do that sustained over time, like how much that's shifted me. So to have intention, I think, so, you know, set an intention that you want to be curious and explore your gifts and maybe allow space for the things that are in the way of that and that they don't have to be these dragons. We go, oh, you know, we're going to face our dragons. The dragons can be <laughs> really nice. I have a, <laughs> a a lady I know who who's done some healing work in a program together and they got like a stuffed dragon, <laughs> like a toy to represent her dragon. So it's like changes her perspective of the dragon. She's that we call the things that we call our dragons or our darkness, right? It's, it's just the stuff that's hidden that we don't understand. And so like, can you meet all of it with a bit more curiosity? So can you set that intention that I'm going to ask my deepest self, I'm going to have no agenda on how long it takes, how quickly it has to happen. And I'm going to set the intention to listen and not try to listen like anyone else does. Some people, they get messages from journaling. Some people, they like to talk out loud and they're talkers and some people need to be alone. And um, some people just, you know, they're in the shower and then something comes to them. And, but to just give yourself time, even if it's just five minutes in the morning, but give yourself time morning in maybe morning and night even is good to check in and go like, check back in with that intention that I want to know myself I want to connect to my intuition and I want to know how I can share my gifts. And so I'm asking my deepest self, can you please guide me? Can you please direct me? And thank you for leading me towards this deeper truth for me and my being. Thank you for surrounding me with the light and the guidance and the support and the reminders that I need to care for all of my parts while I'm on this journey and to me, each thing that shows up with understanding as much as possible. And when I forget, thank you for helping me to remember how to come back to that curiosity and to that kindness. And if I can do that every day, it will arise and it will arrive in the time that it needs to. I have more questions and I also wanted to end it at that. <laughs> <laughs> you can edit the podcast and put it on the end. Exactly, tag that on the end. Um, but this is, this is an important question um, about where we see healthcare in, mm. in our lifetime, right? Or maybe yeah. even in our lifetime, but just what is that 
vision. Yeah. Well, removes all of these. Yeah. That actually, no, that includes all of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that includes everything. Look, I think that that's a multi-layered question. First of all, what is health? Mm -hmm. And what do we include in health when we talk about that? So that's, that's another thing, right? And so that's different for different people too. And what do we value as individuals as health? And what do we value as a society as health? And then what are the systems that are managing health valuing and what do they view health as? <laughs> which I won't answer because I'm not them. <laughs> but yeah, it's like, we're gonna talk about this, but so then like, what does that actually even mean? And, you know, if we look at health care, how do we care for our health? That's very broad. There's lots of ways that we care for our health. And if we look at history and we look at evolution, Health has been cared for in many different ways. And there's many different systems that exist all over the world, you know, systems like Ayurveda and Chinese medicine. And in some places, like where Chinese medicine exists, it's incorporated with modern medicine. You know, there's people who, who have facilities that do, I can't speak from personal experience, but I have friends who went and did like placements, you know, in hospitals in other countries where they had surgery, and then they give you acupuncture afterwards to help with recovery. It's different system, different value system, different way of treating. I think we all need to ask ourselves, like, what is health for us? And how does that impact what we do, how we can do it, how we show up, our roles, our relationships, so that we can do the things we need to do and want to do? And all my OT friends are going, yeah, because that's what we talk about in OT. <laughs> yeah, because you can come to me and if I'm just treating a symptom, you know. So I don't know what the future of health, the health system is. If, if we're talking about the system, like the medical system, that's a different question to me. There's a medical system which sits in a model, which is a medical model. That's not a, that's one type of system. There's lots of different systems. <laughs> um, there's people who, who sit in, you know, even within their field of therapy of health and wellness, there's different models of care, right? Um, that you can, you can pull from and that you can use to inform your treatment. So why is one particular model the predominant model versus another model? What model hasn't emerged yet that some magical person maybe that you're interviewing is coming up with that I haven't thought of? <laughs> so <clears throat> I think the future is about conversation. It's about room for difference and opinions and acknowledging people's lived experiences of what really affects them and impacts them on a multifaceted level where we don't put people in boxes and there's space for us to understand their own healing and 
to understand what's affecting their health, whatever that might be for them, physical, emotional, and spiritual. And maybe there's other things that I'm not, not aware of, you know? Um, I'm aware that in my life, there's so many things that I didn't know. <laughs> and, you know, a year later, some new thing comes out. And so then what was the truth suddenly is a different truth now. So I'm always like, well, what's going to be next? So I think what's missing and what's needed is that openness to explore, to be creative, to include, and to allow difference with curiosity so that out of that, something new can emerge. Because when we're always, I don't need you to tell me the same thing that I already know and just keep talking about it all the time. And I'm like, great. Okay. So after a while, it's like, yeah, you know, if you tell, if you hear a story over and over again, it gets kind of boring after a while. I want to expand my perspective. I want to have a way to see things differently. And I think that's something that needs to be included is we need to be able to have open-minded curious conversations and explore what health means and how health is supported for people with different ways of being in the world, different bodies, different constitutions, and different reactions to different things. I did, <clears throat> in my journey, I followed all the protocols for all of my symptoms and my medical stuff, and I saw all the specialists. And it was so hard because nothing helped. And I had reactions to everything I was given. And it, I've developed, I, I've had to have my own support to deal with medical trauma because of it. I found a beautiful, you know, some beautiful doctors that have been really compassionate and able to meet me where I'm at and acknowledge that and, and go, okay, you're really sensitive, like more than what the research shows. So actually... I'm going to give you a third of the dose of this thing to start with and see how that goes with you. And I'm like, thank you. <laughs> and they meet me where I'm at. And they look at, you know, more of what's happening in my life. And here's the thing. And again, I don't have the answer to this. I don't feel like one person can give you everything. Whilst I think it's so important for like, and I love like my doctor will acknowledge and check in on about like what's affecting my life because we know stress affects health. It's one of the biggest factors, but you can't expect someone in a system where they're given 15 minutes to talk to you to actually hold space for all your childhood trauma that might be impacting the inflammation in your body right now. <laughs> So I hope that there's conversations about how can we support all the parts in an interdisciplinary, collaborative, respectful way, where one person's role isn't more important than someone else's, and there's shared respect, and there's opportunity for curiosity, and the client is empowered to make the choice for themselves because then they're feeling like they've lived that life. I, I think it's, you know, that's like a whole other conversation. And I know sometimes people are not in a state of mind where they can, and they need someone to help them make a choice and direct them. Like, I know that there's situations, right? 
but as much as possible to help someone feel like, you know, I'm choosing this. And so I can't go later. I'm not going to go back and go, well, you told me to do this and it's horrible. And it's like, we're on a team. We're working together. Let's work through it. (laughs) So there's a little bit more balance. Yeah. I don't know what that can look like. And look, I actually think that there are places that are doing this now. Like there's smaller offices that are kind of trying this approach. And I know even like of some people who are in certain offices bringing more like mental health and OT and social work into the like initial review team for let's say early development or something like this. So there are people having these conversations. There are people doing this work, but it's not necessarily like the norm. I don't really like that word, but it's not, it's not common. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And I, I, I feel like, you know, yeah, to ask these questions. So I think it's, it's a lot of, it's about asking questions instead of people just saying, here's the solution. Because what happens is if we go straight to a solution, there might be a lot of needs that we're missing. We might be bypassing things, but if we give space to explore needs, to explore the human experience, to explore health, to explore how we work together, and we can and we can listen to each other. Yeah, then then we can find the unmet needs, the hidden needs, and maybe the hidden solutions that we haven't thought of yet. And again, part of me is like going, yeah, and we can't do that with each other if we don't do our own inner work. <clears throat> and if I can't find a way to be more present when I'm in those conversations and I'm not aware of what I'm seeing this conversation through. <laughs> yeah. 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 The healer's journey always starts with self. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm. I, I wrote this um, piece. I'm going to see if I can. Camille, do you have any questions? I just want to honor you. We just share poetry now. (laughs) (laughs) What we do next. Um, Go ahead, Camille. (laughs) Oh, we're waiting for you, Erica. Okay. Well, I, it's it's because most of the people that we've interviewed are have left the medical model. Yeah. And um, I just wrote a piece on how I, why I left and what it showed me. And I made a dedication to those who were still in the system. Mm. And so I wanted to read that to you. I know people who are still in the system and have the capacity and resilience to see the world of wellness from the inside. To them, to you, Aubrey, I bow in awe and honor. You, my friend, have reached a level of enlightenment that inspires, keep being you. Our healthcare world is rapidly changing and I'm grateful that you're still in there. Mm. So, yeah, Mm. it's, 
It's a beautiful thing. <laughs> I would um, love to invite you two to come to um, an online systemic arts session with some people that I'm yeah, doing. You can see what it's like, have a play um, and, and explore this possibility too, because this work can help you to answer the question that you're posing because we can use this process to look at the systems within ourselves and that we're in and to see what's there. And actually for a long time, I've been wanting to use this work to do work in, in the, for the community, for the bigger, bigger aspects of what affects us and, um, and wanting to, to play with other practitioners that are curious to discover these hidden dynamics and possible gifts or, um, yeah, the healing that's available. And so I'm probably gonna set up a few kind of like forum slash constellation processes where it's gonna be free and we're all contribute and we can have a, a conversation a conversation <laughs> about this and the, the systemic and when i say systemic as a very different i think systemic has a certain like tone in today's environment but it's like systemic is like everything that's connected to the everything else you know the history the ancestry the things that are unconsciously being carried out that we don't even realize we're doing these kinds of things the interconnectedness um and yeah so we're gonna have like a one of my one of my supervisors encouraged me i was i actually asked him if he would do something like that and he was like well why don't you and i was like oh <laughs> so yeah i'm gonna put a little email out to to people colleagues you guys you can share and and see if i can just do a little you know something where it's maybe the morning here and the afternoon for you guys and have a conversation and then maybe do a process to like explore and see what we what comes up through this the systemic constellation process that might help us reveal, you know, some some resources, some blessings, things like this that that we might like. Um, yeah, and I want to say one more thing, you guys, and this doesn't have to be in the podcast, but <laughs> I just wanted to speak to this because I wrote it a couple months ago, and it speaks to the <laughs> it speaks to the system, and it's really about this thing that it's been really trendy to talk about burnout have has everyone kind of noticed that it's become really popular to talk about burnout yes yeah and that um a lot of organizations are like we're gonna we're gonna give you a webinar on self-care <laughs> so i want to read this to you just because i think you'll enjoy and like it'll resonate and I might put some kind of free little handout that's a reflection for people because I got some feedback. I got this went kind of viral and then I had people emailing me saying I just thought about this and then I changed how I was working. So they just, you know, just the, again, asking the questions. Um, so it's it's not burnout. Let's stop calling it that. That's what it's titled. <laughs> so burnout is according to the World Health Organization. Uh, burnout is, according to who, it's a syndrome conceptualized as resulting from chronic workplace stress that has not been successfully managed. 
which means that it's about how you manage your health and well-being, your stress in response to the stress in your workplace. Most therapists and professionals I know or that I mentor are doing everything they have within their power, all the things, and they still deal with fatigue, exhaustion, depletion, feeling distant, feeling, you know, overwhelmed. So we're misleading each other and ourselves by calling a very complex situation burnout because it's not just burnout. It's not burnout when you are being asked to do things that go far beyond office hours or your job description. When the support and supervision you are promised is actually absent and never available or very lackluster or provided by unskilled uncompassionate and unavailable individuals. It's not burnout when you have no time for breaks, for eating, for drinking, when you pick up the pieces of your boss and your supervisors because they're overworked so that they don't fall apart from the pressure that they have. When the experience of what you're doing is actually potentially traumatic for you and your nervous system and requires ongoing mental and perhaps spiritual support, but that is ignored and you're expected to continue anyways. It's not burnout when your boundaries are disregarded, when you're bullied, when you're pressured, when you're threatened. It's not burnout when your human needs are last and performance factors are first, when better ways are offered and ignored and your voice is silenced and when you're told it's all your fault. And when you feel guilty now doing less because everyone else keeps doing more and they keep buying into a hustle that is ignoring the underlying needs of their humanness. It's not burnout when you are defeated because of a hierarchical system that pits people against each other and creates separation and segregation through labels, titles, superiority, and bypasses our true nature to connect, to learn, and to heal together with compassion, with care, and with thoughtfulness. It's not burnout when you don't get to bring your gifts, when you don't get to bring your values, when your thoughtfulness is not allowed to be in the game, when you don't get to do what you were trained to do, what you love to do, what you studied to do, what you want to do, that's not burnout. So just calling it burnout puts the blame on us, on you as a health protection uh, practitioner. Um, and it's, it's saying you are not managing your stress. And there's no accountability or little accountability to the systems and the people entangled in and contributing to the imbalanced environments that we are working in. So, I'm very for responsibility. I'm very for, you know, getting shit done and doing what's needed and, you know, being professional. But when things disregard your humanness and they want you to perform like a machine and you're doing everything you can to manage the stress that's putting on you and it's still not good enough, that's not burnout. So what I think that is, is, is a call that you guys are asking for now. It's a call for change and a call for action. 
it's a call for conversation. It's a call for creativity, for curiosity, to find out a better way. And it's an opportunity for us to start to become each other's angels, to listen openly to each other, to find a better way like you're doing here, where we can get creative together. We can inspire something through that, maybe more amazing together. And so if we do that, then maybe there can be little changes and even big changes and little changes that lead to big changes <laughs> in our lives together. And some of them might be visible and some of them might be invisible so that we can take better care of our life, take better care of each other and better contribute to health for each other and the way we care for our health. Yeah, in this life that we get to share while we're here. Mm, that was so beautiful and so true. And with that, yes. how can people find you? <laughs> um, I have a website, <laughs> um, aubreyhathaway.com, and it's spelled Aubrey with an I, so A-U-B-R-I, Hathaway, H-A-T-H-A-W-A-Y.com. Um, I'm on Instagram. I don't post a ton on there, but I'm hoping that I can maybe start um, doing a bit more there. Yeah, <laughs> they want to follow things about upcoming courses. Um, so my, my new passion, my new calling, which has been for years, is to help the helpers. So um, I'm offering this uh, systemic arts facilitation and sort of mentorship coaching support for people both individual and in groups. Next year, there will be a group program that will be um, getting released where we do this deep healing work together in a container that's safe and explorative. And so, you know, that question earlier, how do you explore this? How do you explore intuition or heal these parts? Um, there's lots of different people out there. Um, this is the way I'm showing up. So it might resonate with some people. If they're interested in that, they can message me. Um, I'm also going to be hosting um, and have been hosting a monthly systemic arts constellation healing um, group healing session. Um, so that's, wait, I've got one on tomorrow night, um, which will probably not be tomorrow when this is released, <laughs> but um, it will be, um, yeah, monthly. So they can look out for that if they want to check out this type of healing work. Uh, again, it's beautiful. It's really safe and yummy. And there's like these beautiful people that show up and support each other. And we get a chance to explore different parts of ourself as well as our ancestry um, so that we can, yeah, be able to live a more, more whole, wholehearted, I can't talk, more wholehearted life and, and serve better, you know, and, and serve better in the way that we feel we're meant to. So yeah, those are the things that are coming up and there'll be some other little workshops and trainings in between that I'll be offering. So for people who I guess work more in the psycho-spiritual or psychosocial space, mental health space, um, uh, there will be opportunities to learn how to do this work as well. Um, so that if it feels like you, you love expressive things and creative things and really drawn to a deeper knowingness and compassion practices and want to find a way to integrate all that, that's what I offer and that's what I'll be also sharing ways for people to learn how to do that themselves in the coming year. So um, 
if you if people want to do that, they want to stay in touch, they can go to my website, they can sign up for my newsletter. Um, you can always fill out a contact form and message me. Um, yeah, and see what happens and see how we can we can be each other's angels a little bit more and help us all show up and share our gifts. And thank you guys so much for putting this series together. I'm really curious and excited to hear more about your journeys and everyone else's journeys and see what I'm inspired to do from hearing the different perspectives that everyone's going to have. And I look forward to that. I look forward to what I'll see differently, what I'll learn, you know, what it might open me up to even in my own journey um, when you guys share this work with everyone. Yeah. Well, the helpers and healers need your medicine <sighs> and your voice. And your voice. <laughs> Again, thank you, Aubrey. This has thank been you guys. a rich and nourishing conversation. Yeah, you too. You too. And I feel like a part of me wants to go and set up a coffee chat where we can just talk more <laughs> and I can hear, I can listen more. Yeah. That would be fun. <laughs> Do it. Uh, All right. Thank you. Have a good afternoon, evening, uh, evening, evening. Thank you so much for joining us today. We are so happy you're here. We look forward to bringing you more stories from the healer's journey on healthcare from the soul. If you've loved this podcast, please let us know by dropping a review on Apple Podcasts to support us getting the word out. As our gift to you, we'll send you a meditation. Just screenshot your review and email us at healthcarefromthesoul at gmail.com. Thank you. And until next time, we're sending all our love.